Welcome to May I Interrupt, an eye care roundtable discussion sponsored by Oculus. Each of these shows, we explore questions in the world of eye care and other topics of interest with leading experts in the field. I'm Craig Norman, and I'm joined by my friend, colleague, the brilliant, humorous, and yet to be a winner on this show, Dr. Jason Jedlicka from Indiana University's School of Optometry. Hi, Jason. How are you? Nice, Craig. I've never had an introduction like that. Yeah, you're worthy. You're you're not a worthy opponent, but you're worthy of the introduction for sure. That, that's very nice. And uh, so, I hope you're you know, ready. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people that said you've been too rough on me lately. So I'm not sure if that's your motivation yeah, here. Being yeah, nice, I, I've but... heard that myself, which okay. means I have to step up my game just a bit. Uh, All right, appreciate just, that. Just to make sure. Um, I hope you're ready to take on uh, the guests or challengers. I am, but can I just say one thing real quick, by the way? Absolutely. It feels good to be on a show where I'm not in the minority because I have hair. Ah, I <laughs> so see. Today, I, I, enjoy, see. I enjoy our guests because we have one thing in common. We have more hair than you, Craig. Yeah. yeah. Listen, hair is highly overrated. I have it growing in a number of places on my body. <laughs> okay. Oh, my. Let's get going. I want to introduce our guest. First is Dr. Gary Gerber. This is usually where we say, Dr. Gerber needs no introduction, but I'm <laughs> going to give one anyways. And that Gary is the founder and chief dream officer of the Power Practice. Everybody knows this is practice building and consulting company whose mission has really been to build doctors' practices and help them a lot to reach their dreams also. Most recently, I think we're aware of him as co-founder of Treehouse Eyes, the country's first um, company dedicated exclusively to building this category of myopia management. Uh, he's widely seen, uh, especially recently, in webinars, online chats, and of course weekly uh, in that terrific uh, radio show that, that he has. Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Craig and Jace. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. So this is way more fun than doing a regular webinar on what's new with the cornea. So glad yeah. to be. Well, we hope so. Mm -hmm. We're really, really pleased uh, to have you here. And, and one of your challengers today also is Dr. Kenny Mahler. Uh, Kenny comes to us from Florida. He's a graduate of the Illinois College of Optometry, and he moved to Florida shortly thereafter, opened up a practice where he specializes in contact lenses, and he's really one of the premier guys today in the area of topography and contact lens design, and in fact, played a significant role in uh, developing and teaching uh, the wave uh, lens design system. Kenny, how are you today? Doing great, Craig, and thanks for having me. And uh... And Jason, I appreciate the invite. I think it's going to be a lot of fun today. So I'm looking okay. forward to it. Hey, Ken, is that really what's behind you right now? Is no, no, it's not. Back window? No, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, it's not. One demerit right off the bat, yeah. trying to fool us right off the bat. Yeah. By the way, Craig, you got to loosen up a little bit with the with the bells. You should have given Gary and Ken one already for their comments. So. Really? Be a little more generous. There you go. There you go. There we go. I'll Thank you. I, th I hear another bell. Uh-oh. Anyways, here we go. Let us explain what's going on here. We have three segments. In uh, the first two segments, I'm going to ask a question of the three of you. Uh, that question will be pertaining to the area of myopia management today, all three of you that have uh, tremendous expertise in this particular area. Uh, the, each of you are going to get three minutes or so to talk about something. If you really uh, present an excellent point... You'll hear this bell. 
that will give you the point. If you act up, and Jason will demonstrate what that means, there will be demerits given, and I'll subtract it. We will be tracking these points throughout, and then at the end, there will be a declared winner, and you will receive absolutely nothing for winning. But you might right. need to claim that you two were part of the uh, show where Jason Jidlicka is always a loser. Yeah. So that's part in itself. Pretty much it's like really, life in general. It's really kind of fun. Um, so let us start, if we can. And we're going to begin with talking about this whole thing about myopia management. And uh, it's such a hot topic today. And Jason, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with you, if we may. Okay. And I'd like bar to, low to begin with. Is that I, what your theory is? Exactly. Gotcha. I'd like to have you go ahead and convince me why, as an eye care practitioner, if I'm in practice today, I would want to get into myopia management. Well, I mean, so I was actually thinking about this this morning, and um, I mean, I couldn't think of a reason why you wouldn't. Okay, um, clearly. Uh, there's enough evidence out there to talk about the effect of eye growth, axial length growth on the health of the eye. Okay, so um, is there any downside to doing it? Um, I can't see it. So unless you want to ignore the scientific publications, if you want to ignore the FDA that's now clearly said there's a way to control myopia, if you want to ignore what's best for your your patients, I mean, then don't do it. But if you want to practice at the standard of care that we are at right now, um, I think everybody should at least be considering it or having it in, to some extent. I mean, we don't all have to have a myopia control emphasis as the primary goal of our practice, but we should be aware of it and we should be um, talking about it when it's appropriate. Excellent. Dr. Gerber, Gary, what do you have to add to that? I would say, just like glaucoma or diabetes or any other condition that we know we have evidence is going to get worse, would you stand idly by and do nothing and let your patient get worse? And if you're willing to do that with myopia, then you need to get your head examined because these kids are going to get worse if you do nothing. And you have a professional obligation to either treat them, send them to somebody who's going to treat them, uh, just like VT in a convergence case or a cone or anything else. So you got to, the technology's there, the science is rock solid, you can help the kids. And if you don't, you're not doing what's best for the kid. And if that's the case, you shouldn't be practicing. Yeah. And, and just like I was saying, may I interrupt, Craig, uh, um, even if you don't have a treehouse size practice to practice and you should you should be referring to somebody who's willing to do that who's is willing to take care of the kid like that you just have to at least recognize it and have that discussion excellent gary do you have anything else to add there um the only thing i want to add is when you hit my bell can i have a cowbell instead of a regular bell because i want more cowbell cow that was funny and i get a point <laughs> for being funny yeah. <laughs> Okay, good. Another one that thinks he can keep score. <laughs> I like you already, Gary. You Gary, you're the guest here. I'm the scorekeeper. You're the guest, okay? Let's get that straight. I keep my own score but, too, but Gary. But Jason so also good. keeps it. He's, he's like the auditor. But I usually win when I keep my own score. So. Exactly. Ken Mahler, what do you have to say? 
Can you clear up what these two guys have said? Well, 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 first I want to get out of the way. I think Jason deserves to lose a point already because he went ahead and commented about the lack of hair on your head. Now, as far as myopia, um, I actually can't agree uh, uh, more with the the two other uh, uh, gentlemen here tonight because um, the kids... You forgot their names already? Okay, What's that? Gary Gerber and Jason Jedlicka. Okay. Yeah, you can lose a point too, Craig. Take one off for you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the kids are definitely going to be getting worse. Uh, we've seen this. Uh, it's actually on the rise from where uh, I had started this. Um, I, I've been involved with Ortho K and controlling myopia uh, back in the 90s. And so we've only seen an increase in the uh, rate of uh, progression, uh, as well as the numbers. Uh, You're looking at more people becoming myopic and more of them are becoming uh, higher myopes uh, than they were before. The science is rock solid that we really see the the risks associated with this increased uh, myopia. And I've always practiced from the standpoint that you do what's best for the patient, period. And if it's a service that I don't offer, I refer it out and I'm quick to refer that out because unlike most of my colleagues, I do not take care of any um, uh, back of eye disease uh, like glaucoma and the like. And as soon as I see something like that, that goes directly to uh, someone who can uh, properly uh, provide that type of care for that patient. And the same is true here with uh, this type of problem where myopia is causing all of this pathology. And if you are not taking care of it, you need to get these kids to someone who can take proper care for them and uh, prevent them from going down that path. So uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Going back to your original point is why wouldn't someone do this in their practice? Not everyone wants to uh, devote the resources of their practice to Uh, something like myopia control, uh, whether it's the instrumentation or the education that's required uh, to uh, properly administer uh, this, uh, being able to stay on top of all of the latest studies. Uh, We've seen a lot of changes in the last 10 and 20 years uh, as to how we approach uh, this type of uh, a topic. And they may not be interested in really staying on top of that, uh, unlike, unlike the guys here. And so if in fact, that's something they don't want to add into their practice or get full, uh, sort of full steam ahead into uh, this, refer that out to someone who can take proper care of it. But to ignore it, I think really is a disservice uh, to the um, to the patients that they're taking care of. Yeah, excellent. We, Thank you. I mean, we can't be all things to all people. So you, you be good at what you're good at and what you're not good at. You let someone who is good at it do it. That's fine. Absolutely. So can any of you guys tell me, are there any updated numbers other than the World Health Organization stuff that came out a couple of years ago about where the projections are, what percentage of the population, or is it still that around 50% or so of the global population will be myopic by 2050? There's that. Uh, I I think for this group probably the big stat is what we look at all the time is how many myopic kids are there today like right now and that's between 10 and 13 million just in the u.s and that's growing dramatically um and right now the current od labor pool and i i really believe this is a this is an optometry owned should be owned by optometry 
Uh, the current OD labor pool, there's not enough of us to take care of these kids. Uh, there's, there's not enough ODs. And if we took care of 100,000 of these kids every year, uh, there's more kids coming in, uh, coming into the pipeline will never catch up. So we got to really step up our game. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot. It's probably 10 to 13 million just here in the U.S. for kids. Of course, as you change the definition of a kid, a little bit younger, a little bit older, a little bit higher. Uh, but in the sweet spot, we can have the most effective treatment and really put the brakes on, in some cases, stop it. Um, usually at a minimum, slow it down. It's probably 10 to 13 million. Okay. And I think, I think one other thing to follow up on what Gary is saying is it's not just the incidence of myopia. It's really the incidence of high myopia because that's really when you start to get into the real health risks. And um, that rate, even, even while myopia has doubled in the last 30 years or whatever, the rate of high myopia has gone up by like 10 times. And so, you know, that's where we can really make an impact. And I think that those are the numbers that are going through the roof. It's, it's, it's preventing those six and up myopes. It's, right. it's, you know, that's the part we can really impact. And that's really where we have a bigger. So effect. Jason, this would be the difference between physiologic and pathological myopia. Yeah, for sure. So, so over the six diopters, and of course, the, the thing is, we don't really know at age eight for sure where they will be at, if they will be over six or not. So it makes sense to get in there regardless uh, to be able to see what happens. Now, I know there's all those different tests that we're looking at to be able to project that, but I guess the, the takeaway is to be aggressive with these young myopic kids as much as possible. Yeah, and a lot of people will argue that why, what's the difference between minus three and minus six? And the reality is, is that between minus three and minus six, the incidence of, of ocular health issues is, is five times more at level at minus six and minus three. That's a, that's a lot. That's a big difference. So to say, why intervene when the kid's a minus one and keep them at a three rather than a six? I mean, that's, it's a very big difference. So. Okay, that's great. Well, take, take add on to that, uh, Craig, uh, I think two, two important points I think are lost here. In, in what we were just talking about. Number one, uh, back in 2012, I think it was Ian Flitcroft's uh, study was released and showed that as little as a quarter diopter myopia already leads to pathology. Now, yes, absolutely positively, the higher myopes are at a higher risk, but I don't think we can blow off the fact that we have a lot in that sweet spot, minus two, minus three, and if we would intervene way earlier for these kids and keep them, whether it's a minus a half or a minus one, or even stamp it out altogether, which I don't think is realistic at this time, but possibly down in the future, um, that has a huge impact on the, uh, the health of all of these eyes as these kids get older. The other thing also was we just saw a study released last year in 2019 um, that showed that for every increase of one diopter of myopia, you're looking at a 40% increase in these pathological risks. So what's the difference between minus three and minus six? Well, that's a lot. Actually, between minus three and minus four, we're talking about a 40% higher risk for that child that's right. just even going up to a minus four, which historically we've said, well, that's not really all that high a myope, so let's not worry so much. That's really not what, this, what, the, uh, what the data that's coming out of the studies is really saying. Okay. Okay, great. Right. Let's bring that, that right. around to a close. Gary, you'll get your chance. Uh, okay. It was important, but okay. All right. You'll get your chance. Okay. You know, unfortunately, I gave Kenny an extra point there, but then took it away because twice I tried to cut him off.
Oh, yeah. but tough host. Let us let us before we move on. Here's where we stand. Gary, six points. Ken, five points. You were at six. And Jason, no surprise, you're last. Uh, but you're close. You're at four points for the wow. first. Wow. So Feeling good. you're within shouting distance. Feeling good. Okay, so let's move on. So it convinced me. Got myopic kids in the eye care practice. Got to get it in the game. Now there's all these options, right? And the options are related to atropine, spectacle lenses today, ortho-K, soft contact lens, multifocals. Gary Gerber, where do you go first or how do you make the decision? So we have the advantage that our advisors put together our proprietary protocol. And based on peer-reviewed data, if the kid comes in, he's this ethnicity, this prescription, you start with X. If it doesn't work, you go to Y. I would, I would say to anybody listening who's not a Treehouse Eyes affiliate of ours, first of all, they should be, but take, take that off the table. It doesn't matter what you start with. Just freaking do something. And if you, if you stress over, well, is this the absolute best? Anyone that you pick of the currently known clinical valid modalities is light years ahead of doing nothing. And it sort of relates to the comment before when Jason brought up, you know, we're concerned about these minus sixes and you said below that is physiological myopia. I, I don't think there is physiological myopia because the kids you really got to worry about are not the minus sixes. It's the minus a quarters and a minus 50. No kid wakes up as a minus six they progress to that. And the data is pretty clear that the sooner you jump in, the younger you, the kid is, the lower the myopia, the more efficacious you can be. And if we accept the other flickcroftism that there's no safe level of myopia, so there can't be pathological, there can't be physiological, it's all bad, it's all pathological. You gotta put the hammer down, pick any one of the modalities, you know that it works, do that, and you're doing a solid by the kid. Excellent. Jason Jedlicka. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't have the um, the protocol worked out like Gary does, but um, to me, you know, when a kid reaches the point where they need vision correction, which you can decide when that is, and they're minus fifty, minus seventy-five, whatever, um, then obviously you need you need some type of vision correction. So prior to that. You know, I think atropine is a great entry level because you don't need corrective lens. So why put somebody in a modality when you don't need a corrective lens to begin with? Now, once you reach that level of I need corrective lenses for something to see the board or whatever, you know, now you have all three options on the table. And um, I, I feel like, you know, I have my own personal preferences. Um, I think having all of the options makes a lot of sense. I think for young kids, six, seven, eight-year-olds, I'm not a big fan of having them wearing soft lenses 14 hours a day, seven days a week. I like the idea of them being under the parents' supervision of their ortho-K lenses at home at night. Once you get old enough to wear contacts with your own, you know, skill of putting them in and out, it's different. But um, the one thing I, I do want to talk about real quick before Kenny gets his turn is um, – just was doing a lot of review of, of the publications lately. And I think 
if you look at the new stuff coming out on soft multifocals, it seems to be a little more effective than ortho-K, but I, I think you have to think about the fact that most of those studies are relatively new, and the ortho-K studies, a lot of them are older. And if you look at the newer ortho-K studies where we're getting smaller treatment zones and more effective plus power in the reverse zone, um, the, the ortho-K studies are showing better control than the ones that were done 10 or 15 years ago. So um, I, I think they can all be equally effective. Again, like Gary said, I think you just got to do something. Yeah. Yeah, excellent point. Kenny, before you get started and answer the same question, what is the youngest age of a patient you put into a device? Not atropine for myopia management, but a soft lens or an ortho-K design. Is that for me? Yes, unless there's another Ken on the panel, that would be you. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you wanted to give these guys a chance to answer that first. All right. Well, I make Ken, I make the rules here. Okay, you're okay. a participant. I, I, we're I done with it. today's show. You're just going to watch this. I'm going to be here next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Your turn. Yeah, only because of our ratings. That's why I'll be here. <laughs> you never know, Craig. Kenny could be back next week. That's right. I could, be, I could be at the beach. How, how, how do I get that background? That may I interrupt and get Craig out of here. <laughs> Bingo. Good point. <laughs> doing that by himself. It's okay. All right. All right. Um, as far as um, the uh, young age uh, type of uh, thing, I think that it really comes down to a practical management, uh, both with the fact that you have to have a, um, uh, a child who is going to be cooperative with whatever treatment modality you're going to, uh, you know, put into place. You have to have a parent who's on board and actually understands and sees the value of, of going ahead with this type of a treatment. Uh, for example, I think that from a purely scientific standpoint, it would be absolutely fantastic to take every five-year-old that's showing up as Plano and start them on myopia control because we already know they've fallen off the bridge. They, they supposed, they're supposed to be hyperopic at that age. And if they're plano, you're going ahead and you're cutting them off before they go ahead and start to become myopic and even entering into whatever that pathology that comes along with the myopia is there. However, I think you're going to have a very, very uh, tough sell to a parent whose child is five years old 2020 has no refractive error right. and we want to install or, or instill some type of a treatment to prevent them from becoming myopic. So there's okay. that practicality. So, if, I, if I could just stop you for a second, I, I understand that. The question was, what's the youngest patient you put into a device? Well, you have to see some progression because then the conversation is easier. And as far as the age goes for that, I, I've seen six that's I, my youngest. I've put in ortho K lenses or lenses. Young youngest I the youngest I've put into ortho K is five. Mm -hmm. Um but the kid was already a minus eight fifty. Yeah. So I, I would have I would do any age if the kid had the myopia. It's just the the youngest I've had the opportunity to was age six. Right. Exactly. And, and I think that that really determines the age. I'd have no trouble going down to a four year old had I gotten them already seeing that progression of myopia. I think that's that's a good time to have that conversation. Okay. So to I think point, in a practical, you know, the thing you said that? before too about the cooperation level. And 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 certainly sixes I've had six year olds who handle their ortho K lenses fantastic. 
And I've had eight-year-olds who will not allow it still, no matter what mom and dad or anybody says. And so I do look forward to having, you know, these spectacle lenses, the the MyoSmart or the DIMS lens that's coming, hopefully, that um, in those, and I'm not saying that that would be my choice for everybody, but I, I would love another option that's easier for the kid than putting a device on their eye if the kid is tentative about it, you know, having a spectacle lens that also seems to work would be great. Another tool. Excellent. So Gary Gerber, how, how do you convince your new treehouse practitioners that they're going to need to develop the confidence and the communication skills to say to a parent, your six-year-old needs to have this optical device for myopia and it's going to change the way your life is at home every night because yeah you know the doctors that we work with is just like when you recruit employees it really starts with the interview when we talk to these docs we're 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 not trying to get every doctor to to join or to partner with us we got to get the right docs and our vetting process where they they let us know things how how many myopic kids what other subspecialties are you doing technology all that sort of stuff a lot of it is the one-on-one -on -one interviews that we do with them, and we bring up questions just just like that. It's almost like a job interview, and it really, Craig, it really, it really comes down to: Do they have the eye of the tiger to help to help these kids? Do they really think that a kid coming in with minus seventy-five is not normal? Is that is that bad? And if yeah. if, if they inherently believe that to be the case, then they're going to be fine. We just, at that point, we need to give them the, the, the tools, the documentation, the, the paperwork, the informed consent, the yada, yada, all the, all the steps that are not in place in most primary care practices. But if they believe in their heart that myopia is a disease, it's got to be taken care of regardless of the amount, regardless of the age for, for kids, then we, we can train them to get the words out of their mouth, which is a big problem with optometry. They're afraid to, to have discussions like that. And yeah. then a lot of disciplines. Yeah. Okay, very, very good. So I'd like to follow back up with a, just a second, Gary Gerber, if I can. So now the COVID thing, we're in the middle of it right now. It seems like things are, are changing and reopening, and we're starting to hear the term reentry occurring pretty often. Um, how do you see that happening uh, in the relatively near future for those states where optometry is back to opening the door? in seeing patients in the next week. Is that for me? Yes. So with regard to myopia management, you're saying? In general, but then in particular for myopia management. Yeah, well, I would say in general, we, you know, we've been having the reason I, uh, I, I, got a, I got a tight schedule on this call is because we, with our doctors that we consult for, we've been having daily Zoom meetings to prepare them for the opening and having a great game plan with regard to your PPE, taking your patient temperature. Uh, you're going to wear gloves when you try to put on a contact lens. What are you going to do if the patient has on a mask and you got to adjust their bridge on their eyeglasses? I mean, all this stuff is you got to have a, a plan. And the key thing is you got to, if, if you're going to open, say, May 15th, you want to bring your staff in about a week before and you want to do a, a soft launch of all these things with simulations. We've had a couple doctors that have opened already, and they said by far the best thing that they did was opening early with just their staff and kind of kind of pretending, if you will. 
And with myopia management, I think this COVID thing, if there's any silver lining, I think it really is for myopia management. First of all, these kids have been inside, so we know that kind of sucks, right? And, um, not 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 so much by making myopic kids worse, but just they they the low hyperopes, to, to Kenny's point, are going to become less hyperopic and cross over into the dark side faster. Uh, there's excess screen time. Parents are super aware of that. So there's a lot of awareness around us. Parents don't know what's bad about screen time, but they know something is inherently bad to having these kids sit on the computer all day long. And doctors have had time to get the clinical chops together. So instead of binging on Netflix, they can get some myopia education. And the last thing is what a great high margin business proposition for the practice to see one myopic kid instead of seven patients that are arguing about their managed vision care plan and they got to pay an extra six cents for uh, to get the nose pad adjusted. Excellent. So. Excellent. Thank you. Kenny, how about you? When you what are your plans coming up here? Well, the, um, since I have a lot of these kids uh, on specialty lens as well as I have a lot of other specialty lens um, uh, patients, uh, I've been really in constant contact with a lot of them uh, because they still actually need some care. A lot of this, this re really just can't uh, sort of be put on hold. Uh, so I've been dealing with a lot of that uh, during this entire process. As far as returning back, uh, absolutely exactly what uh, Gary was just talking about, uh, putting protocols into place uh, as far as uh, temperature upon entry, uh, questionnaire about uh, travel and, and you know, their health in general, uh, proper PPE as well, uh, and then obviously spacing out a lot of the um, appointment times so you don't really have a uh, backlog of uh, people all uh, sort of mingling around, uh, you know, with each other while where they really can't be doing that. So that that's my plan. I have not yet returned back. Uh, I'm considering possibly uh, next week or possibly the following week of uh, going back uh, to uh, start getting things back under control uh, where we have a little bit more normalcy to the uh, patient flow. Okay, that's great. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Jason, I know your setup's a little bit different being in the university setting and a lot of this is out of your control, but do you have anything to add to those two terrific responses? Um, I would just say that being at a, a school, obviously our clinic, we have 38 exam rooms, so um, we have issues with patient volume at any given time, and so it will be a challenge. We're, we're looking at staggering our, our exam schedule a bit more than we normally do. Normally, we might book four or six people all to come in at exactly one o'clock, and instead, we're going to try to do one, 105, 110, 115, something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, we have, we have things that we're putting in place to try to do exactly the same thing, and, and I would just add to that, too, that um, this period of time is like Gary mentioned, this is a perfect time for somebody who hasn't taken the dive on this and decided they're going to do this um, to be implementing their uh, protocols, to be getting their consent forms ready, to be figuring out where they're going to be sending their scripts for their atropine, where they're going to be ordering their contacts from, educating their staff. I mean, so that when you come back after this six or eight week layoff, you have no excuse now not to have some type of myopia control practice implemented for your practice. Okay. All right. Excellent. Wow. Hey, that that ends that round. Was that five bells I just got? No, that bell was the end of the round, Jason. I think that was Good five. Try. Good try. If we add those that. up, and I just did, you still don't have five. Oh. 
Yeah, I had four before. Exactly. That's my uh, point. Okay. So I only insulted you once today. How can I lose so many points? It was the it was the heartfelt part of that insult. I I couldn't. Re- I'm still not recovered to tell you. Okay. So hey, Kenny. Yeah. So can you give us? You know, this is sponsored by Oculus, and we really, really have a lot of gratitude for them for letting us be goofy like this. And you know, to be able to educate and communicate and have some fun at the same time. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Oculus and your interaction with them just briefly in 30 seconds or so relative to the use of their instrumentation and such? Uh, that's that's really easy. It, the instrumentation is fantastic. The support's been fantastic as well. Uh, I think it's a great company for optometry to be involved with. Uh, as far as the... Um, uh, experience that I've had uh, getting all of the data from the instrumentation there. This has been a, a huge boon uh, to me as a clinician uh, to be able to uh, do better management for, uh, for patients in the office. So. Okay. That, that, that's fantastic. Uh, Gary, do you have anything to add to that? And, and of course, you just lost the point for the dog barking. Uh, but if you could weigh in, that would be great on and your experience that, with Oculus. The AI that, that wasn't my dog, when my dog barks, <laughs> your your seat's going to rattle. Okay, so that wasn't mine. That was a yapper. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. So it's a your dog denying. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, wait. I'm going to bring him into the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I don't have anything. I, I agree with everything Kenny said. Uh, awesome company. Technology is, is just killer. I, we... We at Triage Eyes cannot exist without the Oculus technology. It's just drop drop dead accurate, uh, easy to use, kid friendly. Um, yeah, it's just it you could check all the boxes. Support's been great, uh, open to suggestions, responsive. Yeah, they're awesome. Great, great company to work okay. with. Great. Okay, that's fantastic. Okay, so Jason, I'm not going to ask you anything here. Um, you can't go. So I have no hope of catching up now. No. Wait, wait, wait. Craig, you look great today. I look great today. Okay. That gives you one more. Suck up. <laughs> That's I the only way you, I can even compete. It did put you ahead of Ken Muller, though. Good move. <laughs> Gary, you have 13 points. Ken, you have nine. And Jason hit double figures. Moment. <laughs> First time in the history of the event he's had double figures. Yeah, could be. be. Okay, so now let's get to what we really wanted to chat about today, uh, is over and above the uh, expertise that both you fellows bring to the table here relative to myopia management, is you both have an interest in music. And uh, Jason, if you want to start it off, do you have any questions at all for our guests? No, I don't have anything. <laughs> you don't have anything. Okay. You're, you got all the questions, Craig. I do want to say one That's thing. That's a lost point for Jason. No, wait. I do want to say one thing, though. And by the way, Kenny, thank you so much for the Bach um, music that you've been emailing me. I appreciate it. I have listened to it all. Um, a couple weeks ago, we were on a webinar, and we were talking about Yes and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. You remember that? Yep. Okay. The band is Asia. You remember Asia, right? Of course. They had, that's, um, who is in Asia? It was, uh, it was a super uh, band, a couple of those guys. Yeah, it was, it was, it was the, one of the guys from Emerson Lake and Palmer and one of the guys from Yes and a couple other guys. So that's who I was trying to think. I knew there was a band uh, that had guys from uh, both of those groups that had come Jason, together. we're going to give you a point there for tying in myopia management 
myopic kids in Asia. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Wow. Wow. That yeah. was that was that was probably your best move so far. That's important too, because I don't have any chance to get any more. Okay. All right. So Ken, let's start with you. Well, Tell let, us a little I, bit about I, your experience start. in music. Yeah, well, just before for, I start, I, I wanted to answer Jason's thing there. On Asia, Yeah, you'd be happy to know, and, and, and Gary, you being a fellow keyboardist, you'll appreciate this. Uh, Jeff Downs was the uh, keyboardist for Asia. Yeah. Uh, and I have his uh, Yamaha uh, uh, TX system. Uh, I have that one as a souvenir. That was the uh, unit he was using. That's part of my yeah, record. Here. Wow. I can real one and just and that one was with what band with Asia or before with that? Asia with wow. Asia that's really cool all right okay. I, uh, I I relinquished my my all my points to Ken I, <laughs> I'm out Shark Tank I'm out <laughs> <laughs> Gary you're dead to me all right. yeah. okay Ken talk to us a little bit in, in just a minute or two your interest in music, you were part of a band, is that correct? Did you travel in the band, or what was the deal there? Yes, I did. Uh, back when I first moved to Florida, this was all before optometry school, I earned a living as a, a professional musician. Uh, I used to play all the clubs up and down the uh, coast here, down in southeast Florida, uh, and it was a great time. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, the, uh, the the lifestyle is a little bit different than, obviously, uh, what I do now as a, uh, as a professional uh, eye doctor. But uh, it was it was fun, nevertheless. And a lot of that stuff is actually translated to what I currently do now as well. Uh, a lot of the art that I bring to lens design and all comes directly from all the same type of stuff that I did when I was when I was playing professionally. Right. So you're designing it still on a keyboard. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, different kind of that similarity. Different you can take a point for that, Craig. One. <laughs> 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 Okay, and then, uh, so, um, before I move over to Gary, do you play at all now? Do you oh, absolutely. Do I still I still play and compose, uh, but I do it in my home studio. I just don't have time to to, uh, to be out and about. Uh, Gary, Gary has that all over me. My, my hat's off to him. But uh, I just can't do that now with my schedule with, uh, you know, with patient care and, and, and running the practice. Yeah. But I still do play, and I still... I still practice every day, and I still compose. Do you record? You record your music too? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. It's it, 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 recording has really become fantastic because of the technology of uh, being able to uh, bring it all down into a home studio, where you really can get professional results, and you don't have to take equipment to a real studio to do that any longer. That that that's been a huge plus for the musician to be able to do that stuff at home. Okay, great, Gary. Tell us a little bit about the Gary Gerber musician. Yes, a uh, similar uh, start to Ken. You know, played, um, played, started junior high school, high school, college, playing in bands, bar bands, college, paying the bills, summer gigs. I had I had one of the coolest summer jobs ever when I was living in Jersey. Uh, when the Playboy clubs were open, I was the pianist inside the Playboy club because somebody had to do it. Yeah. So I volunteered for that one. Um, and one of the coolest stories was that was during the gas shortage, gasoline shortage. And I had to drive about an hour and a half to the club at Great Gorge in New Jersey. And this was uh, first during my first and second year of optometry school. And 
I had a 65 Pontiac uh, Catalina that I was driving. I got like three miles to the gallon. And I told my boss, if I drive home, like after the Friday gig, I don't know if I can make it back Saturday because I might not be able to get gas in the car. He said, why don't you stay over for the weekend? So there I was studying optics by the pool surrounded by Playboy bunnies. Somebody <laughs> had to do it. So that, that's kind of how it started. And once you get a taste of that, you don't want to like go back to optometry school, but I did. Um, so yeah, now, now I, uh, I've, I've always liked, uh, you know, kind of eighties hair band rock. That's why I get to look like a, like a homeless guy. And, um, I've had the pleasure of just touring, you know, some like incredible, uh, kind of bucket list shows and gigs with guys. Like when I was a kid, I said, when I grew up, I want to play with those guys. And I just threw a lot of like, Ken, you know, you practice, you practice, you practice. It's uh, the Malcolm Gladwell thing of 10,000 hours. And just that's yeah. not enough. And um, I fell in with some really, really great guys that I tour with. And I've been super fortunate, met some incredibly famous rock icons through, through the touring. It's yeah, it's been like really like a dream come true for me as a as a performer. So like you know, a, that that uh, reference to the gas shortage and being in college that that gave me a pretty good guess at your age, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You dated yourself for that. that. <laughs> so Gary, so let's say like in the year two thousand and nineteen, how many gigs did you play, if any? Uh, twenty nineteen. Uh, probably. Th- I mean, not that many because I still got a day job. Uh, thirty, forty shows a year. Is about all I can really, but, but it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a lot of time because when, when, when you do them, it could be like four nights in a row and then two nights off and then four nights in a row and two nights off. So timing wise, it's not that many. You go out on tour and you can bang out 19 shows in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would like to do it more because as long as they have Wi-Fi on the bus, I, I can work. So um, yeah. yeah. Right. That is fantastic. And, you know, I think it's so interesting because hidden behind, you know, so many eye care professionals is some talent. I mean, you know, other than Jason and yeah. that this ability to dig in a little bit deeper, I think, uh, into that and learn about uh, your work and, and your hobby and being able to still do it both for Ken and for Gary still today. Uh, hey, I was going to say, Craig, um, in 2019, I listened to 21 albums in a 19-day period. <laughs> Fantastic. And that was just that's, that in the I'm just saying that's my talent for music. I can listen to music with the best of me. Yeah. So. Really, really fantastic. <laughs> okay. So, gentlemen, we're going to wrap this up at this point. Uh, before we go into closing comments, the clear-cut winner is Dr. Gary Gerber. Thank you. That, as I said, you win nothing. But, uh, you know, that's right. We'll clap for you. Did a little thing. I got to have more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's two demerits. Upstage. <laughs> Luckily, you had a big lead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kenny, Ken Mahler, 13. Nice. But, Jason Jedlicka tied you. So Jason, a high note. And Ken, your low note is, is nobody ever tied Jason before. Oh, gee, thanks. I know. I know. Maybe in the future, we'll bring you back and uh, we'll give you a second chance at this. Maybe we'll even have the introductory and the outro music being your own. 
and then you'll All get right. points for that uh, automatically. I was thinking we could have Kenny back sometime when I host, and you're uh, uh, competing against him, and then he he could just kick your butt. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Along with anybody else that would actually right. be in that position. I of get course. it. I get it. Jason, any closing comments? No, thanks guys for being here. This is awesome. And uh, I would like to echo that, of course, you know, that uh, interesting today. We learned a little bit about myopia management. Uh, we learned a little bit about uh, the differentiation of the products and when, when to use them or when not. Talked about how to get young kids into this, um, modality. I think your comments about re-entry for both of you are really spot on and uh, as hopefully we all get back into that, that that will be terrific. Uh, for myself and for Jason, we really appreciate you guys spending the time with us today. It was fun, entertaining, irreverent, educational, all of that stuff uh, wrapped into one. We really want to thank Oculus again for helping uh, sponsor this and look forward to uh, having everybody tune in again soon. Thank you, fellas. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot.